fuck told you you was nice, homie? Fuck out of here. Uh. Your shit is by suda trash. Homie, you got shot. You was never a shooter. Never. I'm in the mirror. Narcissist. Lex Luger. And my 94 rugby looking like Grand Pooba. Wifey like Mary J with the bucket though. I wake up every morning like fuck it though. Bitch, you ain't Beyonce. And your homegirls don't really fuck with you. You out here like Latoya Luckett, ho. Bum rappers wanna twist up faces. I'll collapse their cheekbone and I'll punch through braces. All that lean got you waking up dope sick. Go to rehab, I'll hit your girl with the dope dick. I'm a G though. Niggas be frontin', not me though. Uh uh-uh. uh. These bars will knock the confidence out of your ego. Olaf. Won't feature me cause they scared of the gold. And when I freestyle and knock the fucking air out the room, boom. Your SoundCloud is garbage. One follower. Your mixtape is garbage. Pass that. Let me break up this weird. Your Instagram is garbage. Delete that. The link in your bio is garbage. Fuck out of here. Everybody you rhyme with is garbage. Garbage. Nigga, your whole block is garbage. And pussy. Nine on me, nigga. Give up your wallet. Ain't no conspiracy against you. All your shit is just garbage. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Silver Lake, in Malibu, and somewhere in Western Los Angeles. Aloe was created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their plan to make a treatment center that takes care of addicts and alcoholics using compassion and connection rather than control. They have decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They guarantee the most comfortable detox possible, which of course is critical when you're kicking heroin or Coke or benzos or alcohol. They have amenities you wouldn't believe, sound bath meditation, equine therapy, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. If you're fucked and you want to get some help and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I highly suggest going to Aloe. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Soberlink. At Soberlink, somebody cares about your recovery. Unfortunately, relapse is so common, especially when it comes to alcohol, because it is widely available and highly prevalent in many social settings. That's why having true accountability and a deterrent from drinking is so important for staying sober. Soberlink has been empowering and helping people with alcohol use disorder since 2011 and is trusted by hundreds of treatment facilities. The Soberlink system consists of a portable handheld device that documents proof of sobriety in real time, keeping you connected to your family, friends, sponsor, treatment professional, recovery coach, or anyone else who worries about your well-being. As an exclusive offer to our listeners, email info at soberlink.com and mention Dopey for 50 bucks off your device. Do it for that someone who cares and let Soberlink help you to stay off of the sauce. So if you're interested in getting some assistance from Soberlink, you go to soberlink.com slash dopey and let them help you. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Clean Cause, an amazing tasting sparkling yerba mate that puts purpose behind your daily pick-me-up. They are certified USDA organic and offer low and zero calorie different flavor options. Do the most with 160 milligrams of naturally sourced caffeine and know you're doing good with every sip 
because 50% of all of Clean Causes sponsors support addiction recovery. It's simply better caffeine. It's delicious. If you want a delicious caffeinated beverage, you get Clean Cause because they support dopey, they support addicts, and again, they're delicious. Get 15% off your next order from cleancause.com using the dopey code dopey. And finally, and possibly most importantly, this episode of Dopey is brought to you by you guys in the Dopey Nation through the power, passion, and pathos of the Dopey Patreon. I've been pumping shit out on Dopey Patreon all week. I just put up the lost Richie Ramon interview. I even put up a weird track of me in college rapping in my old rap band. And then there's also really good interviews. There's video. We just put up a lost interview with the great Ray Brown, the Raytreon 4. There's a lot of shit on Patreon. And when you guys support Patreon, it really helps with the show. Make the show as dopey as possible by supporting us on Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash dopey podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Also, we have tons of gear. New gear is coming out this week. Really cool gear. I don't want to reveal what it is. Just watch us on social media and you'll see it. Go to dopeypodcast.com. Hoodies and tank tops and t-shirts and long sleeves. Support the dopey. And if you buy any fucking outfit, post a picture of yourself. We love to see you sporting the dopey gear. Also, there's trucker hats and dopey snapbacks and oive snapbacks and all that stuff. Really cool stickers. Just Venmo me at Dopey Podcast, and I will get that stuff out to you. Anyway, enough with the fucking ads. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to Dopey the Podcast on Drugs, Addiction, and Dumb Shit. My name is Dave. I hope you guys are doing well. Life is pretty good, thank God. I'm in New York City and I'm very excited for the, the latest installment of Dopey. And before I even get into it, I just want to say last week we lost a couple of major league people. We lost Ed Asner, but I can't, you know, I barely watched the Mary Tyler Moore show. I wasn't particularly attached to Ed Asner, but we also lost Lee Scratch Perry. Uh, and if you don't know who Lee Scratch Perry was, he was one of the greatest reggae producers um, in the history of reggae music. He was like, he was a real weird guy. He was an auteur in a way. He, he like, he, he visualized and, and, and thought up arrangements for songs. He produced all of the early Bob Marley and the Wailers records, the early rock steady stuff, some of my favorite records ever. He produced the Congos and, and just a shitload of amazing music. He produced, he was on a beastie boys record. He produced some clash songs. He produced Max Romeo. Uh, in fact, when I was in rehab in, um, in mountainside where I met Chris, Chris would hang out in the yoga room and the yoga teacher who actually wound up getting fired for being sexually inappropriate with some of the women he would play music before the the yoga would start or before the meditation would start and one time he played the lee scratch perry produced max romeo 
I'm going to put on the iron skirt and chase the devil off of earth, I think the song was called. But it made me feel so good to be in a place where they played Lee Scratch Perry. So uh, I'm very sad he died. If you've never heard Lee Scratch Perry, please look him up and listen. It's so good. I cannot say enough. Rest in peace, Lee Scratch Perry. So last week we had Tiffany Jenkins on the show, who I thought was phenomenal, and I heard a bunch of really nice things about her. And I want to give credit where credit is due, and that is to two dopes in the old Dopey Nation. One is the uh, remarkable Kira, who, who initially started bugging Tiffany Jenkins to come on the show. And the other is Liz Ann, who continued to bug uh, Tiffany to come on the show. And of course, the way these things always go, the person fades out and then I just pound them until they respond. But Kira and Liz Ann, thank you for, uh, for the hard work. And if you're a dope who's looking to make an impact on dopey, fucking shoot me an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, we can set you up working for the team. You can help get guests. Maybe you can do some art. I'm actually in the market for some interns again. If you're dying to be an intern on the greatest podcast ever made, write an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Very exciting stuff. And now I'm going to tell you a very quick story for this episode. For this episode, there was a listener. I don't remember his name on Instagram. He wrote me and said, yo, there's this rapper Nems from Coney Island. Who's insane. And, um, He'd be perfect for Dopey. So I reach out to Nems, and he's agreeable. He wants to do the show. I think he liked that uh, we were a bunch of drug addicts in recovery. I think he related to that. So he, uh, after, after a difficult time scheduling it, he invited me out to meet him in Coney Island. So if you guys know New York City geography, Coney Island is the end of the line of the F train. And... Coney Island, just for a little bit of history, was created in the beginning of the 1900s as like the first place where New Yorkers could spend their disposable income. It was a whole thing. Maybe it was before the 1900s. I'm not sure. I remember I took a class called, uh, I guess it was called 20th Century History. So I guess it was the 1900s. And basically it was the first place where Americans, New York City people, had a had a, a way to spend depo- disposable income. It was like a, a totally new concept. It was one of the first amusement parks ever. And they had freak shows and they had a boardwalk. Eventually, they built the aquarium. They built Nathan's. And, and I've been going there since I was a little kid. My dad used to take me to the aquarium all the time. We didn't really do the amusement park too often, but the aquarium we did constantly. And I've taken Nora to both the aquarium and the amusement park. When I was in uh, college, I used to go out to Coney Island. to the. I actually went to the aquarium with Devin and Jeremy, and we ate a bunch of acid, and we tripped out in the aquarium. And, and I have great pictures from that trip. And so when Nems invited me out to Coney Island, I was like, that's a long trip, and I don't really want to go alone. So I invited Ray to come. And Ray came with me out to Coney Island, and we went to Nathan's and we recorded a Patreon episode and we hung out. And then he accompanied me to NEMS, which was a barber shop on Neptune Avenue. And uh, and Ray and I walked and, and the, the neighborhood got hoodier and hoodier as we got closer. And 
Ray noticed like some police apparatus that was like a generator connected to a floodlight. And he's like, uh oh, this neighborhood looks bad. And then there are like these dudes across the street who are like breaking bottles and screaming. And then we could kind of see junkies and you felt it, you know, like it, I haven't been in a neighborhood like that in a while. I guess if you walk real east in the Lower East Side, you can feel that around Avenue D. But here in Coney Island, it, it's an hour outside of the city. So you feel like you're in another world. And we met up with some people outside of the barbershop and you just got this vibe. And, and Ray was like, it was really hot too, but Ray like kind of squirmed a little bit. And then Nem showed up and Ray just took off. And I think Nems and his people in front of the barbershop thought Ray was tempted to use. I think Ray was just freaked out for being in the neighborhood, but it was awesome. You should have seen Ray. I'll post a picture. He wore the Harley Davidson bucket hat, the aviator glasses, and he just split. I was worried he got killed on his way home, but he made it if you're worried about Ray. Listen to him on Patreon. Enough of the setup. I cannot say enough about how much I enjoyed Nems. Here he is on The Dopey Show. Yo, 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 fuck your life. Yo, uh, hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave. I am deep in the heart of Coney Island with the dude Nems. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Let me start off by saying I hate podcasts. That's fair. I I listen to them. I hate doing them. Why? I saw you on Premium Pete. No, see, I'm selective with who... Premium Pete is my friend. He's from Coney Island. Uh, But... I don't like, it's always the same questions. Um, when you hit me up, before I looked into it, I was like, automatically, no. I just don't want to do it. Uh, and then I looked into it, and you told me and sent me some links. I was like, what? This is a fresh perspective, and I would like to, uh, you know, I'm never, I'm never asked questions, or I've never done a podcast where the people that are listening are in recovery or, or, or want to be in recovery or, or just know about the lifestyle. And I could get intimate because that side I usually keep away from podcasts or other stuff like that. I wanted Nems to come to my dad's house because I record at my dad's house in Manhattan. <laughs> and he's like, yo, let me tell you something. I, I hate podcasts. I'm not coming. I was like, fine. I'm going to go to Coney Island. And then he leaves me. He leaves me the, instead of texting, he does the little audio message. <laughs> I call him up. And instead of saying hello, he says, yo, Nems, fuck your life. <laughs> it's, like, it's awesome. So me and Ray came out. We went to meet Nems at the barbershop. Ray took off. Ray got scared. Listen, we're in the heart of Coney Island, it which is. is the epicenter of uh, addiction and all types of other stuff that, uh, that, that the lifestyle we used to live in. Thank God we're not anymore. But, you know, if, if you're new or, you know, this is easily could easily flip your stomach if you're new into trying to stay sober and stay clean and stuff like that, like, this is not a good place for you to be. We were standing in front of the barbershop <laughs> talking to people. He looked, ner- he looked nervous. Ray looked nervous. Oh, this is cool, the dashboard, vi- the, the video camera yeah. in the rear view. Oh, man, it's big money. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, in the yeah. little, I'm in the little leagues over here, but it looks good. <laughs> so we're standing there, and, and I'm telling uh, Peepo and the barbershop owner X uh, about the show, and then these dudes walk by, and people's like, wait, wait, wait. These dudes, what did you guys just ask me for? And they were junkies looking for dope. And they were like sick. <laughs> Ray's like, I got to go. Um, so, Nems, when's the first time you got high? Uh, on anything, yeah. probably when I was 11 years old, smoking weed. Here? Sm- in 
Coney Island. There's a there's a spot outside Coney Island uh, called Gravesend. It's a, the next neighborhood over. Um, and I have friends over there, and I always hung out with the older guys because I'm, I'm I was always bigger than the kids my age. I'm six foot four. Right now, I'm 6'4", 300 pounds. But even back then, when I was a kid, I was bigger than everybody. So I hung out with the older guys. And uh, I remember taking a, smoking a joint uh, and just going right home and going to sleep. Right. Yeah. Relaxed you. Yeah. Knocked me the fuck out. When did it become like uh, a lifestyle thing in the first place? Well. Oh, before we even get into that, I want to say, Nems is the mayor of Coney Island. That's right. Just put out a record called Congo. Yes. Fuck Your Life clothing brand is like insane. I told guys at Katz's I got Nems on there like, oh shit, fuck your life. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> so like, just know your name is ringing out past the streets of Coney Island. I'm That's sure great. you know that. That's great. But I'm I just letting it. you know. Um, now back to it. When did it become a lifestyle? Um, let's start with both of my parents are addicts. Right. They met in rehab. Uh, rehab romance. Rehab romance. You make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're my girl. Right. You know. So that's love, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good moment. It's love until we both leave rehab and start using together. Right. Um. But it worked for them. They wound up getting married. Um. And uh, and I was born. So I was. I mean, if you look at the odds, I was already supposed to use if you look at uh the odds two parents two genetics. parents generic if you go by the generic genetic theory like your genetics are into i was fucked i was fucked from birth yeah um and now that i look at it i look at my father passed away from four uh, at four when i was four from having hiv because he using, shot from shooting dope um, he shot dope around here. He shot dope. I don't know where he shot dope, but not. He wasn't from Coney Island. My mother's from Coney Island, and my whole family. But I'm Puerto Rican and Irish, so my mother's Puerto Rican. She's from Coney Island. My father, the Irish side, they're all from like Flatbush. So uh, he was, you know, he he shot dope, and uh, he uh, he passed away when I was four. And in, in 1987, he passed away. So in the 80s, you had HIV. It was a death sentence. Now people live with it. You know, it's 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 livable. It's, you you could do it, but back then it was like it was only for junkies and homosexuals, and it was a shame if you had HIV. Um, thank God my mother didn't didn't con contract it, and neither did I. And um, but yeah, he passed away when I was four. My mother, um, from when I as soon as I can remember, as my oldest memories is my mother being clean. My mother was clean my whole life. Um, I thought. Until I was about 16, that the the electric slide was called the NA Shuffle, from going <laughs> to uh Narcotics to, to, to going to NA dances in St. Mark's Place, uh, and and I grew up the little kid running around in the meetings, and that was like that spot on on uh, St. Mark's Place. St. Mark's, they had a comic book store. I would just be that right was next quintessential door. old New York. That NA oh spot, my right? God, you think it. about it, it's like a fucking yes. time warp. Yes. It's amazing that it ever existed. And when people, the old timers, bring it up, they bring it up with such reverence. Oh my, absolutely. God. Yeah, yeah. Like, Yo, you guys weren't in St. Mark's when I was in St. Mark's. They used to tell you shut the fuck up, and they used to be bum sleeping in the corner and. I don't remember any of that. I remember they had a comic book store next door, and I would <laughs> yeah. always be in that comic book. So it was like excellent. St. Mark's Comics. Yeah, yeah, I know. it was great. Yeah. yeah. So you're a kid, and your mom's in program. Yes. And uh, did she get clean before your dad died? Was she using up till then? Like, at what point did uh, she get? Clean? I heard uh, she. From what she tells me, she was clean before then. They both got clean when they got married and everything. They both stayed clean. 
that when he was dying, he stayed clean. He died clean. And um, uh, so he he didn't get he didn't use. He just contracted AIDS when he was using. No, he was, oh, yeah, yeah. He that's, contracted that's AIDS. A yeah, when from shooting needles. Yeah. So he caught AIDS that way. And uh, and and he died sober. Yes. Wow. But that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, so my first using was the weed thing. So I I, I always was, you know, uh, 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 like like, I don't know the fucking word. Like like um, around it, around the lifestyle. All my uncles used. My whole family used. But meanwhile, your mother was deep in recovery. Yes. So yes. were you conflicted? You know. You know Danny Trejo. Yes. His son came on the show, right? Mm -hmm. And I think his son first used around 11, and he had been so around recovery that when he used the first time at 11, he felt like he slipped, he said. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I didn't feel that way. Okay. I didn't feel that way at all because I was around, but uh, I w it wasn't like I was paying attention to meetings. I was causing ruckus. And, and, and at this point, my aunt was clean, so my cousin would always be with me in meetings, and we would always just, you know, in the back of your head, when you started to enjoy Bud, were you like, were, was there even a I thought? I didn't give a fuck, no. No, it wasn't no, even no. a thought. My last, the last thing I wanted to do was be a part of meetings. I was like, that's my mother's stuff. It's like, lame. Uh, yeah, I don't want to be around all these old fucks that say, yo, I remember you when you were a kid. What the fuck happened? And I, right. I didn't want any of that. So that made my journey a little longer because I fought it. Like, I, when I, my, my, my heroin use, I started using heroin at 18. Okay. And I got clean at 26. So you had a good so, eight years. Yeah, nice little eight-year run. Um, but I tried everything else. I tried, I tried rehabs. I've been to over, I've been to over 40 detoxes. I've been to over 10 rehabs, only because a lot of times I'll be running the street. I'll rob somebody. The cops are looking for me. I know detox can't tell you, tell the cops that I'm in there. So it's a safe place. Yeah, and from as soon as my family started. Finding out that I was using, my whole family is, after they, you know, they were all using, but then they all got clean. So my mother was a drug counselor, my aunts, my aunt ran a facility out here in Coney Island that got everybody clean, sent everybody to rehab. So as soon as they found out I was using, they were shipping me away. Yo, you got to get clean. As yeah, soon, when's the first time 19. that your mother confronted you? Well, listen to this. This is, this is the, the, the fucked up part. So my mother was clean my whole life. We, from the projects out here in Coney Island. She's clean. She buys a house in Staten Island. I moved to Staten Island when I'm 13. She buys a house. Everything's good. The bill, I don't know what happened in her life. She goes into a depression, starts using. When? At when I hit 17. And she had years and she, years. Yeah, she and years. had maybe, I forgot how long she had. She had a long time. Oh, double digits. But that's important just to recognize Absolutely, that. Absolutely. That and that, that definitely fucked me up as well because now I look back, I remember hitting the walls with bats and doing all types of shit like like anger that I didn't know was anger at that time because when I would talk to her, I'd be like, oh, don't worry, Ma, it's all good. But internally, now I look back, I'm like, oh, I was really angry at that time and I didn't even recognize it. But so she, we lost the house and had to move back to the project. So when I'm 18, I moved back to Coney Island. So she's running the streets. She's getting high. Um, heroin. Heroin. Yeah. Heroin. Um and uh, I move in with my uncle back in the projects. Now, in Staten Island, I was um, I was naive. You know, in Staten Island, where I was, the South Shore of Staten Island, there's not, a, there's no heroin addicts on the street. There's no junkies. Um, 
I had done coke maybe once or twice because I had just that was the end like 17, 18. I I, w- I graduated, started from weed, then ecstasy, then Xanax, and then cocaine. When I moved, by the time I moved back to Coney Island, I was doing coke, maybe Xanax here and there, um, and ecstasy. And um, was there a lot of ecstasy out here? There was. A, I brought it from where? I brought it from Staten Island. So you were hustling. So Staten Island was at that time flooded with ecstasy because that's club scene club whatever, scene everything right. but in the hood nobody was fucking with it because it wasn't known it wasn't all lovey and exactly the hood. Yeah. so when i moved back out here i started selling it and i would start taking a, as soon as i woke up take a half run ride my bike up and down this avenue right here mermaid avenue yo i got ecstasy no nah, i don't fuck with it well here take my number when you want to and then i started turning a lot of people on but i also did you give free samples out no way. No free samples. No way. Fuck that shit. No. <laughs> Fuck but your um, oh, I was by the end of every day, I was doing three to five ecstasy pills. So now I look back before my even heroin usage, I was fucking strung out on ecstasy. And they put, I mean, when I did ecstasy, yeah, with the pills, it I, wasn't like Molly. No, nothing. I loved the dope in the yeah, ecstasy. I wanted the, absolutely. I wanted the ecstasy to be as dopey as possible. Absolutely. So. I move in with my uncle in Coney Island, and uh, I would see people come to the door. And my in my mind, I always equated heroin with needles, and you had to shoot it and stuff like that. And so death. Pe- yeah. Because of your dad. A hundred percent. So I would see people come to the door. I would see them going to a stash, give them stuff. I wasn't paying attention. I was naive. I was just coming back from Staten Island. And one day I decided to dip into a stash. I was going to hunt, hang out with a girl. I dipped into a stash thinking it was Coke. Uh, now I only had done coke once and I was already drunk or high, so I didn't really pay attention to the effects. I went into it thinking it's coke, I do it. Most people say they throw up when they first try heroin. My uncle is a heroin addict and always had garbage. He always cut his shit, so I didn't throw up. I took another bag, did it. You could handle it because yeah, it was garbage. it was garbage. That's classic. Garbage. That's classic. I wish he would have fucking, I wish I would have thrown up, maybe I wouldn't have did it. So, uh... First time I did it, it wasn't garbage, and I did throw up, and and I, it took me a little <laughs> while to acclimate. It's yeah, it's a yeah, drug yeah. you have to acclimate to unless it's super gar- garbage. Super trash, this guy. Right, I right. Got a, still got a resentment with him to this. That's day. not Uncle Peepo, is it? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <my other> uncle. <laughs> okay. So um, so at this time I'm dipping into a stash. He don't know what's going on because he has a bunch of bundles in the inside coat pocket inside this closet. Um, so he doesn't notice. He doesn't notice. So so he has a bunch of bundles. I'm taking one bag at a time. Sure. So um, I'm hanging out with my ex-girlfriend of 12 years. I haven't been with her for a long time. But at the time, I guess my friends and her started seeing a change in me. And one day it was like, yo, you get high? I was like, yeah, I do a little coke. I got some on me right now. You want to do some? She said, let me see. I pulled out. She said, yo, that's not coke. That's dope. By this time, I was already in love with it. So if somebody would have came to me and said, this is heroin. Try it. I would have never did it. If somebody came, I knew what crack looked like. Somebody comes to me with crack, I never did. I s- never smoked crack because I knew what it was. If somebody would have said, yo, this is heroin tried, I would have never did it. Wow. Me thinking it was coke got me hooked. By the time I found out it was heroin, I was already in love with it. See, the classic story is someone thinks they're hitting a line of coke. It's heroin. It's so strong. They overdose. Yeah. That's the classic story. Yeah. Your story, you thought <laughs> you were doing coke. It was such bad heroin that yeah. you got addicted to it. And then they're like, no, it's dope. And you're like, fuck, I love this shit. I love this shit. It made yeah. me who I always wanted to be. It made all the inhibitions of being a fatherless child, uh, uh, insecure uh, kid, 
now walk the streets like a tough guy in Coney Island where you have to put on that face out here. It made me uh It's relaxing. Yeah, it's very relaxing. Walk the streets rapping, you know what I'm saying? And just loving not not all my inhibitions of being scared what people think of my raps. Was, you don't I, give a shit. I, I didn't give a fuck. Right. And that gave, be, made me the beast that I, that, that I became known for with now, the battle scene and all of that. Before you even say another word, Nems is obviously a prodigious drug addict prodigious recovering drug addict but he's a crazy mc when did it like when did these things kind of cross paths um well i started writing raps when i was 15 because you're really good thank you really i mean really new york city fucking really new york city beats and the rhymes hit hard thank you man really good um it just they just all came about around the time when i started using heroin because i was started I started being high and just going all over the city, winning competitions and doing my thing, and that's where I really got my name known. Every, every, see, before Instagram, this is like early 2000, 99, 2000 is when I really started going outside and doing my, getting my name known with the rap stuff. So basically, as soon as I started getting high, I was hitting the streets. Like every competition, every single night, I was outside winning rap battles and, and, and everything, and that's how I got my name known. Was the secret sauce the dope? Because you really didn't give a fuck. That has to fuck you up. That had to have weighed heavily. Yeah, on no, your no. Ass. I had the see. I had the the talent already. Of course. But I, the dope took away the inhibitions. Fearlessness. It made me fearless. Like I was and super neurotic Jew, and I did dope, <laughs> and I could fucking relax. Yeah, yeah. It's like funny the way this one thing can affect so many people Different in the ways. way that they need to 100%, be affected. hundred percent. hundred percent. It would make me walk into a a, a, a rap battle. Facing 20 people or, or facing one person that's with 20 people and me be by myself and no fear. No fear. No fear. Super chill. Uh oh. Yo, I'm answering that. I'm doing it. Mayor of Coney Island on yeah, the move. Yeah, that's how we do. Everybody needs Yo, to Yo, listen, say what's right up. now, if you're listening to this, we are on Mermaid Avenue and West 16th Street in my. Truck Denali GMC, yeah, yeah, air conditioned fucking seats. seats. My butt feels very cozy yeah, 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 and good. comfortable. And with we're parked the wrong way, facing the opposite way, because that's how the mayor parks. All right, I was gonna ask. Yeah, there's the mayor parking right here. Yeah, Uncle Pippo is like, you see Nams, he parks the wrong way. Yeah, just to let them know, the cops pass, they see it, they you know. And and the the truck is full of full the, of merch. The 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 fuck your life merch. Yeah, F- listen, if you're listening to this, go to fyl.nyc. And buy some merchandise. And you're shipping it all over the world. All over the world. I hear Australia is very big on FYL. Merch. Australia, the Japan, Korea. Like, I've shipped everywhere. There's a hardcore dopey contingency in Australia. So maybe we'll Australia find... Australia is kind of fucking... I want to... I haven't been there, but I got a lot of fans there, and they seem like some fucking awesome people. Have you traveled the world rapping? Or not uh, that yes, much? Yes, I've, I've been... All over Europe. I've been Scotland, Brussels, Belgium. Well, Be- Belgium is Brussels, but um, uh, all over France. That's cool. Um, Copenhagen, Denmark, all, all over the fucking place. So break it down. When does uh, what's the story like? When do you start gaining notoriety, and where's your addiction at when you do? All right. So look, this is this is what happens. So. In 2003, four, there's some thing called Fight Club where it's like a, a rap battle thing. This is before like rap battling is popular. So one of my friends hits me one night and goes, yo, I'm, there's this rap battle I want to bring you to. And I go, I don't want to go to none of them. I'm, I tell him I'm sick, but really I'm dope sick. So he says, yo, I got a bunch of Xanax. I'll come by and bring you 
I, I want you to come with me. So I'm like, all right. He gives me a bunch of Xanax. I start feeling regular. I win the battle. I think it's a one-time thing. They hit me back. They go, yo, we're having it again. Like they, they keep having it again. I become the all-time most wins champion, 26 wins, beat everybody there. It is, and it so-called happened, runs by, is run by an executive at Shady Records. So I, st- I, get, I start getting a development deal with Shady Records. Um, in the midst of that, at 19, I robbed a dollar cab out here in Coney Island. That was my get high. And the more, this, when I was 18, 19, how I got my money every day is I would walk from 33rd Street, where, I from, where I'm from, my building, to right up there where the trains are, Stillwell Avenue. That's where all the dollar cabs stay so they could bring people from the, that get off the train to wherever they got to go. I would walk there, tell them, listen, take me to 33rd Street. Don't pick anybody up. I'm going to give you $5. As soon as I get there, I would rob them. I would either beat them up or I didn't want to do it, but I had to. It was either do that or be sick the rest of the day. And that was my regular thing. So one day I got caught. I got bailed out by my girlfriend, and I went on the run for four years. I was like, yo, I'm not turning myself in. So Were you I, here on the run or on yeah, the run? I, on the I didn't run. even hide nowhere. I was just getting lucky not being caught. Uh, but still using. Still using big time. It was always about the next one. That's the only reason I didn't want to go back so I could keep using. Keep going. Um, and uh, so so when I'm doing the Fight Club, I'm on the run, all of that. I get a d- development deal with Shady Records, and then I get caught. I get caught. I have to do a... How did they catch you? I was in a fucking... I was in Phoenix House. Um, and Phoenix House takes us... You know, welfare pays for it. So they brought me to Phoenix House. We go to the city... I'm fucking tagging my name up on a fucking wall. The how the the fucking welfare police, whoever's there, take me, run my name. I'm like, whatever. This is they're not they don't got a database for the city. Winds up they do have a fucking database for the city, and they fucking took me there. And and um, the the judge she put me in Samaritan Village first. I stayed there two months, then I got high, left, didn't turn myself in. Oh no, I did turn myself in. Did Rikers for three months, put me back in fucking um. Phoenix House in Lake Run, Conkoma. That's right by where I live. <laughs> That's a mission. That's right there. where I live. Yeah, so uh, Lake Run, Conkoma, as soon as I get there, I'm like, this place isn't for me. <laughs> I leave there. Uh, they take us to the city. I leave there. Don't tur- uh, turn myself back in. The judge goes, listen, puts me back in Rikers. Puts me back in that same Phoenix House. Now, so when I get back to that same Phoenix House, as soon as I get there, because I left, they put me in a chair facing the wall, make me in the mornings, make me wake up, sweep the sunlight off the fucking... I hated that shit. So Therapeutic said, community yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, So I hated that. So one day I just said, yo, fuck it, I'm out. I ran to the Here, train explain station. Though, explain, though, for anybody who doesn't understand what that means to sweep the sunlight off the wall. It means you just got to fucking sweep. No ma- You got to sweep every, like, just keep sweeping. It's like the sun moves across <laughs> the room, <laughs> yeah. and you need to fucking follow it until yes. it's done. Yes, And did you use when you were in Rikers? Uh, I was on methadone. I was on methadone in Rikers, so I was cool. So was they chilling. dosed you in there. Yeah, I was chilling. So um, when at at uh at Phoenix House, the last time I went, um, when they put me back, they put me in a ch- so I was like, yo, I'm out of here. I ran to the Ron Conkoma train station, didn't have any money. I begged, uh, uh, begged uh, I saw a cop there. I said, listen, I just came out of Phoenix House. I got to get back to the city. I don't have any money. He said, hold on, stay right here. He went, I guess, to call him. I knew he was called. I just ran. I, I don't know where I went. I ran, hid, because I knew he was calling Phoenix House, and they was going to say, yo, he has a warrant. Get him. So I ran. I knocked on somebody's door. Well, I ended up being an old lady and her son. They let me in. Wow. Playing Uno. 
Wow. Did, you get, my, the, did you get in the game? I got Yeah, I was playing Uno with them until my mother picked me up. Amazing. And my mother was, what the fuck did you do? Da, da, da. At this time, right when I started using, my mother got clean again. Wow. So my mother now, she's been, I think she's coming up on almost 20 years. Because I'm coming up on 12, so she's coming up on 20. Somewhere around, I think she got eight more years. So, yeah, she's coming up on 20 this year. Her, her anniversary is November 14th. Mine's is November 3rd, and we usually celebrate together. When she got clean again, do you think a lot of it was because she was so worried about you? Um, or because she no, saw she you? was on the run for, like, she was on her that run for three years, so I think she had enough. She never stopped going to meetings when she was using She would just... She loved. She was in the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Does had, she still go? Absolutely. She runs all types of shit. She's big in, into that. I was gonna ask you something, but I forgot. I was, oh yeah, when 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 you overlapped and she was using and you were using, did you ever use together? No. Not even close. No, you were never gonna do that. She no no, no. I would have. Uh, she wouldn't though. No no, but when I really when it came out what I was doing, she was already in rehab to get clean. Like it was like, it was like right at the same time. Like, she was getting clean again, and I was using again, which is fucking weird. It's fucked up how it happens like that. Um, but that's, like, the synchronicity thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I tried everything, man. I tried detoxes, rehab, therapeutic community. I tried church people praying over me. I tried jail. It, 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 nothing worked. And, and when you came out, when you came out of there, you you fucked up the Shady 45 deal or the Shady so they deal. So they told me, listen, we love your music. We want to sign you today. But you're going in and out of jail. When we bring you places, you're fucked up beyond recognition. And we bring you to the studios. You rob people inside out. Like, we know what you're doing. Like, and they just stopped returning my calls. So at this point, I had just given up. I was like, yo, that was my shot. And you felt bad. Yeah, I was like, yo, it's over. You know, that was my one shot to make it. I fucked it up. So now I'm going, I'm going hard. I'm just going to be a junkie in my life. And that's when I really, my mother now has a couple years clean, stops letting me in her house because every time I, I go in the house, I steal from her, I rob from her. Um, so now I'm homeless. Now I'm sleeping on the lifeguard chairs in Coney Island in the fucking wintertime. Now I'm sleeping in the staircases of the projects, begging people for dollars because I didn't want to go back to jail. So now I'm a complete derelict. A so it's not bum. even life of crime. It's total no dereliction. Right, dereliction. You no, know, I still would. I still would rob and do. And you were young though. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, 23, 24. Cause when I got locked up, I did my whole 23. I, I was locked up. Came home uh, when I was 24. So, f so from 24 to 26, I went back right back to using. As soon as I came out of jail, I lasted like a month and then went right back to using on parole, everything. I had the Wizenator. That saved me. <laughs> that saved me big time. And you know what's funny is that the Wizenator was given to me by one of my friends. It wasn't even the same color as me. Well, that was the next question. Yo, it was like it was, was it the black. It, it wasn't black, black, but it wasn't my skin it, complexion. It was darker than you. Yeah, the guy. Yo, the parole officer was cool. I remember Officer Cohen. He was cool as shit. Um, I guess he had to know, bro. And one time I didn't change the piss for like two, three months. And when I pressed the button, when I went to parole and they took my piss, it came out like applesauce. Oh, no. He was like, and yo, he you was gotta like, get, you gotta go to the doctor. Yo, he said, he said, yo, he said, yo, you got to get this checked. I said, yo, my, bro, I, I don't drink a lot of water in summertime, you know, fucking. And Officer Cohen was buying and it? And he, yo, he was like, all right, I'm letting you go, but you got to go straight to the hospital right now. I was like, no problem. I left and just got high. So, dereliction in Coney Island, how long does that last? That lasted about a, a year. 
a year. I, it, this is what happened. I, I remember it being a year, and I remember the last night of my. I remember the last couple weeks, the last couple days and weeks leading up to me being clean. Because I heard in a meeting, somebody was like, "Yo, if you don't remember the last night of your using, it's probably because it hasn't happened yet." Wow. That that really stuck stuck with me, and I'm I, trying to remember now. No, I remember my shit. Like I remember where I was. I remember. No, I remember. I remember. So the last night I, w- I had been on a three week run because I went to a doctor. He had his prescription pad out, uh. and all of them were already stamped and signed. So what did you write? I stole the whole prescription pad, and then I would just I would sell each. Pa- I would sell one page for a hundred dollars. Oh my god! And I would also write me scripts for Xanax because I was getting Xanax from doctors, Suboxins, fucking, uh, uh, Percocets, and I would just write my own shit. You know, doctors' handwriting was sloppy, so I was just whatever. Um, so I was on a three-week run. That's like the greatest fraud I've ever oh heard. Oh my god! You had a whole pad for three weeks, yeah. and you're and you're. Are you sleeping anywhere then, or are you still on the beach? I'm I'm probably sleeping in staircases. Okay. At this point. But you have a like a like a fucking I'm, smorgasbord I'm chilling. of fucking I'm drugs. I'm chilling. Yeah, yeah, I'm chilling. Um, so by the, by, the, by, the, by the end of my using, it was two bundles a day, five twenties of coke and five Xanax. Every day, that was that was the end of my road. That's that's where I was up to at the end of my road. So I look back at it now, like yo, how the fuck did I survive that? Twenty bags of heroin. Five twenties of coke and five Xanax. That was on a regular day, not including a good day. If right. it was a good day, it was way more. Um, that kept you well. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was like your traditional. And well then you day. gotta also remember that, that I was also having my name known with the music. So this is my spaces. I'm charging people five hundred dollars. Fyl membership. Send me five hundred dollars. You get a verse, a T-shirt, and you can say you're down with Fyl. And never delivered the verse, never delivered the T-shirt. You would just get Western Union money and just go get high. Did and you ever make amends on that shit? How do uh, we find these people? I don't know. Dopey Nation, if you're one of these Absolutely, Fyl yeah, members, hit me, hit me, hit us up, and 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 Nems is gonna make it right. Absolutely. Where did the name Nems come from? Uh, writing graffiti. I was uh. I was writing graffiti, and then I just started rapping. It was Nemesis. Then when I got this ah. Chinese, when I got this Chinese tattoo right here, I couldn't afford to get Nemesis, so I just, uh, yo, just put Nems, N-E-M-S. And then I started making them Stanford's it. Na- naturally evil mind state. Nothing else matters. Now everything makes sense. Mm. Fuck around, you'll be needing emergency medical service. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, so you're in that. You're you're in the the two bundles, five twenties, handful of Xanax. So yeah. So we, let's get. So the last. Night of my using, so I'm at the end of the run, right? I'm at the end of this run. The pad is gone. The pad is gone. I just sell my last page for a hundred bucks. Right. My last hundred. Um, I had given up on everything. Now, in my mind, justifying why I wasn't an addict because I didn't smoke crack and I didn't shoot needles. Now I'm not an addict. I'm not going to NA. Um, but I tried everything else. So with that last ten dollars, I bought a hit of crack. Wow. Smoked it. Nothing really happened to me. Um, cause I was already done. Obliterated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what that did was scared the shit out of me because now it made me face the reality that, yo, you're an addict, full blown. Um, the truth. Exactly. And I went home that, I went to my mother's house. I begged her, Ma, please, can I come into your house? I'm done. I'm done. I know I'm done. Please. I just need a place to sleep, a shower, please. Um, she let me in. At that point, when was the last time before that that she had let you in? 
I snuck into the house one time and she came in and she flipped out. Maybe three weeks before that. So I knew when she would be at work. I would break into her house, take a shower, maybe steal a couple things, whatever I could get my hands on. But it was, she was in Staten Island. I was in Coney Island. I didn't want to take the bus. It was a fucking mission. You know what I'm saying? So um, she let me stay. And the next morning I woke up. I said, yo, call the rehab. I'm down. I'll go, I'll go, to, I'll go to rehab. I'll go wherever. Go to detox, whatever. Um, and I already I had suboxins. So I took a couple of those. About the first two, three weeks, I, I took them, weaned myself off. But the first, the first day... She she told me something that stuck with me. She was like, yo, listen, I let you in the house. You stay here the next day. I feel bad enough to give you $20, and you just go do it all again. Why don't you try something different? Why don't you try to go to a meeting? And at that point, it was the gift of desperation where I was like, yo, I tried everything else. It wasn't like I had any friends at this time. Nobody was looking for me to hang out. I didn't even have a cell phone at this point. And I said, you know what? I was desperate enough that I tried, and I went to a meeting. Because I wasn't that sick because I took a Suboxone. Um, and I just, that one day, turned into two, turned into three. I weaned myself after a couple weeks off the Suboxone. That's a great achievement coming off the Suboxone, yeah. right? Did you feel super proud? When Absolutely. You and the, I don't How know. did you do the wean? Because I have so many listeners. We so have so I many do, people. Uh, I did, uh, at this time it was the pills. It wasn't the film. Right. So I was in the first couple of days. I took two two pills a day, one in the morning. The big the orange eight yeah, ones, yeah, yeah. yeah. So two eights, and then after like two weeks, or uh, whatever, a week or two, I went down to one just in the morning, and I cut that one in half. Then I cut that half in half. And you're like shaving it down, right? Yeah, yeah. But but uh, <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, like. That's a big deal. Like you hadn't done anything. Yeah. What What do you think made you think you scared. could do it? I was scared. I knew that crack, that hit a crack, scared the shit out of me. It didn't even touch you, but nah, it scared you. It, 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 that That was the best ten dollars I spent. Changed right. my whole life. That's amazing. Yeah. That's interesting. I think. Don't you think that's absolutely. interesting? I did crack one time. Like uh, there was a dude who used to sell me. An old Chinese guy would sell me methadone on Essex yeah, yeah, Street, yeah. <laughs> and he's smoking crack, and he would call it clack, which I thought was funny. Uh, and he offered me a hit, and it didn't even touch me. Mm -hmm. But I was shooting. I, I, I didn't even think about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. It's just like it didn't touch me, and it's, it's funny how people can get so strung out on it, and it's funny how that 10 bucks changed your life. Yeah. And when did you realize you were going to be a member of the fellowship like that? As you got better? Yeah, as soon as, as I stayed away from Coney Island for my first 60 days. You went back to Staten Island? Or I, you stayed to in sta I stayed in the house. I stayed on her couch. Right. I stayed on my mother's couch the first four years. And you guys are close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, me and her, super close. Um, I bought her house. Nice. Yeah, Good time. So, because <laughs> so it's always, I'm an only child. I have a huge family. My cousins are like my, my brother. You see my two cousins on the wall right there. Those are your cousins? Both of them. What happened Both to them? them? They, they, they got killed uh, two years ago. I'm sorry, man. Right out here, a couple blocks away. It's and a they, big memorial painting. To What are their That's names? That's the best memorial in, in New York City right there. If you go, when we're done, go look at that, bro. There's no, there's nothing even touching. Look, they got both walls. That's their names on that wall, and that's their fucking, both of their faces. Ricky and Joseph. They were brothers. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Um, they, they, were, they were my first cousins, and we were like, they were my they were my protectors. Like you know, there's some people that no matter what, whether you're right, wrong, indifferent, 
you don't have to worry about them having your back. They got you. They're no matter no matter the situation, if there's 30 people and just you two, you know they're not going to run. Both of them were those two to me. And uh, it was... It was it was it was a lot. It was a lot, but not once did I think of using because well, of the program and 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 just and also your success. Like like you're you're spending months on your mom's couch. Did were you like years? I, I, months, sorry, months, okay. fucking years. Years on your mother's yeah, yeah, couch. Yeah. Where's the rap in that point? Where's the where's the the brand? Where, where are you so at with that stuff? I always made little T-shirts here and there, but it wasn't that serious. So uh, what kind of T-shirts was it? Just, it fuck, just your say, fuck your life. Fuck your life. Black shirt, white, big letters. Fuck your life, and they would sell out and everything. Um, now on my mother's couch, uh, the first like when I was using, I always knew. This is not what I wanted to do. I always had a dream, a dream. So I didn't say I didn't uh, backtrack to that last night of using when I took that hit of crack. I said to myself, I had like a moment of clarity. I don't know what the fuck it was like. I was seeing myself from the from the outside in and it, it was just like a outer moment body of, experience. Yes, where yes. I just said, yo, you're 26 right now. If you keep doing this by 30, you're going to be dead. Or you're going to be in jail the rest of your life. Or you might just stay like this and be fucking miserable the rest of your life. Which is worse. Yeah. So when I, I begged my mother that next day, that that hit a crack and that out-of-body experience, whatever it's called, moment of clarity, whatever, um, changed my life. And and I, and I never I knew I didn't want to be a, a junkie my life my whole life. So even when I was using, none of the people I hung out with, I didn't hang out with any other junkies. All my friends would just would just smoke with their regular kids, you know. And just I would, stoners, yeah, hanging yeah, out yeah, and being normal people. Exactly. Right. And I would always tell them like, yo, one day I'm gonna get fucking, I'm gonna stop this shit, man, and I'm gonna fucking have your sneaker collection, or I'm gonna I'm gonna be where you are, you know. And 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 I always strived for that. That's an interesting question though, like. When you come back from total dereliction, mm-hmm. and 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 the people are kind of just getting stoned and hanging out and being normal, did you for a second think that you could do it? You could handle that? No, I tried that. Okay. I tried that when I came out of jail. That's that's one of the main things uh, that I learned when I came out of jail. I was clean for ten months, or just abstinent for ten months. Sure. I didn't have any recovery, but I was just in jail and I didn't use for that for ten months. When I came home, and I told myself, I was like, yo. Let me just, just do a little twenty of coke, smoke a blunt. I'm good. I ain't, I haven't used this long. By the end of that night, sniffing coke, I was right back to the buying a bundle. So that myth right there of just one, I knew from that point on, that's not happening. One is too many, and yeah, thousands never. Exactly. Enough. It was just built so, in. Yeah. So I already had experienced that. That was already known. So uh, I didn't even try it. And like I said, my first sixty days. I stayed out of Coney Island. I, I didn't get a haircut. My shit was looking crazy. And when I finally came and got a haircut, as soon as I got out the car, somebody came up to me, yo, Nems, you know where I could get dope from here? Some take me, I'll buy you a couple bags. And I was like, bro, this, I got to get the fuck out of here. I was like your boy. Right. <laughs> I was like, Ray. Yeah. I was like, Ray. Yo, I, like, I got to hey, get go. the fuck out of here. Right, exactly. So, like, at that point, you're vulnerable. You're, you're not at full strength. Mm-hmm. What? drove the engine for you i mean because like dude he parks on the other side of the street the wrong way yeah. in the big truck fuck your life he has a, nems has a, he just showed me a picture of himself in front of his billboard on times square uh, is, is itunes number 
10, 7? Yeah, yeah. What is it? It was, it was in the top 10. Dude, yeah. it's like, what was the thing that made you be like, I can do this? And then, like, did you try to go back to Shady? Did you try to get I a deal? I tried again, and on my way there, my truck flipped over, like, in 2012. So I think I had two years clean. Um, did you ever meet Eminem? No, I was I dealt with the rest of them D12, all of them are my boys. I'm right. still in contact with them today, right. but I never met Eminem. But um, which I heard even back when I was because I've been to Detroit a couple times and they were like, yo, he's like a you know it's very hard. You don't get to him. You know what I'm saying? He's but your recovery story might be interesting to him. Yeah, absolutely. Because is there a lot? Is there a lot of hardcore drug addiction and hardcore recovery Big in hip hop? Big time, and especially now because when I was coming up. It was, if you were a junkie or an addict, it was looked down upon. Now, it's the cool thing to it's do. It's like hardcore. I was fucking 10 years ahead of your time. Ahead of my time. Yeah. All these motherfuckers rap about drinking lean, fucking popping Percocets, and all of that is cool now. When I was coming up, it was frowned upon. Right. Like, yo, get the fuck out of here, you know? So, I was uh, I was ahead of my time, but, uh, but that's why I also talk about this, because... Uh, there's a strength and vulnerability. Like when, like my some of the people they tell me like their favorite songs are not my, yo I'm gonna beat you up, I'm gonna fuck your bitch. It's not those type of songs. It's the songs where I get real and I tell my story. And there's a bunch of them. And why do why why did we love DMX so much? Because he was real. He didn't fucking sugarcoat it or candy coat. He tell you what he was doing. Like you know I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. You know like people gravitate to that and I feel like that's what's only making me bigger. The more vulnerable I am and the more real I keep it is 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 more people They relate. They relate. And also you can't use it against me. Cause I I, I put it all out there. Like you can't use nothing against me because I own my shit. Right. Well that and that I don't is, hide it. Is that the trick with what I've heard you talk about battle rapping and I heard yeah, you say yeah. how how over it you are because because yeah, it's not spir- it's not spiritually profound right at all it's dogging people yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. and it's world wrestling federation kind of shit absolutely but at its core it's it's fun you know what I mean yes. it, before it gets crazy yes, 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 it's yes. fun it's funny like when it's at its best it's funny absolutely it's not like destroying people's souls and shit <laughs> and it's like but I understand what you're saying it's like you know and I'm you know I'm a 47 year old Jewish man from Chelsea <laughs> just to make this clear. I like you watch Eight Mile and you see Eminem in the battle and you're like, this is the best thing ever. Like, how how far is that from reality? No, that's 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 kind of on point. Now, let me ask you this, because I've heard you talk about yourself. I think the phrase I heard you say is I'm my own biggest fan, which I love, which is a nice thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, in and I heard you talking about a lot of battle rappers that I never heard of because I don't hear it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm not, you know, I'm still listening to like Wu Tang and fucking I old, mean, old, so old shit. Um, and I heard, I saw a YouTube video with KRS, right? And KRS is like, I can take anybody out. Do you think it's true at this point? He's got to be sixty years old. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel, I feel the same. Um, like in person, like you could bring anybody here right now, right? And and. They could spit their rhymes, and I'll spit theirs. I'll spit mine, and mine's will be better. Right. I really feel that way, and I feel like in person, KRS is untouchable. Like right. If you see, if he came up right now, he would kill me. Like my shit, and I look at my shit like the highest caliber. But he's just—he's great. Yeah, he's KRS the best. One. I interviewed him when I was a kid. When I was like twenty-two, <laughs> I met him, and he was super cool. Um, if you imagine you, Eminem, and KRS in a battle. 
Would KRS kill Eminem too? I don't know. Eminem is pretty pretty nasty. Yeah, but KRS is KRS. Yeah, yeah, comes, I, I think Eminem would let him. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He, he, yeah, 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 yeah. he wins by default. So I want to hear, though, about the come up in the recovery. That's what I hear Listen, about. Listen, within my first 10 months clean, I already had put out my first album being clean. Like Once once I got clean, everything, I was scared. That was another thing I was scared of. I, was, I thought when I would stop getting high, I would lose my edge or my raps would go down but everything was the total opposite man like once i stopped my head was clear it was so much easier for me to write i actually would wake up at six in the morning with no job nothing when I, my first year clean just having feelings that was the best thing i had feelings you remembered you were a person oh my god that was the greatest i would fucking cry on com at co fucking commercials in the arms of an angel i would fucking shed a tear and be like what the fuck is going on right and 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 the 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 the, the whatever the dog commercials yeah, with the Sarah McLaughlin, but, but it was yeah. great yes. because I had an experience that for forget the eight years of getting uh, of of using dope. If you go back to probably fifteen, I was an everyday user, whether it be weed or ecstasy or fucking uh, Xanax. I was always masking my feelings, probably from being hurt as a child of my father passing away and never dealing with that, or my mother being an addict, or uh, and a, a myriad of other things that were untreated so once i started getting feelings back it was the greatest i would listen to music and music was brand new to me at this point because i've everything was new my first year clean was so great i mean all my years clean it's just been elevating but my particularly my first year it was just like everything was brand new again and it was like fucking great i loved it so i was back on my grind with the music and uh and I can't just, I, I wanted to go with everybody. But yo, look, I got 60 days clean. Fuck with me. No, but people see over time. You keep doing you. Like when I got first got clean, I wanted everything to happen instantaneous. I wanted a job. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to fucking everybody to fuck with me. I wanted fucking my mother to, to, to know that I'm clean and trust me. I wanted people to sing my praises, but it didn't work like that. It was like, yo, it's not going to happen in your time. It's going to happen when it's supposed to. And eventually, you know, eventually... The grind got big. The raps. I started, you know, focusing on my my all the all the all the times I all the energy I gave on using. I started giving to my music career, and uh, it just bigged up over there. Ten months, put out my album President's Day. Um, within the first or second year, I went on tour in Europe. Who'd you go on tour with that first? Myself. Time? I was the headliner. Wow, it was great. Uh, and then um. Every year has just been a step up, and eventually all the people that talk shit about me became fucking people that would ask me for advice or people that now call me big homie, you know what I'm saying? All the people that, that used to look down on me and shit on me and, 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 and you know, see me walk in the streets and, you know. They're like, there's the big homie and Nems. Exactly. I got you. Exactly. And, and now that's why also they call me the mayor because everybody out here in Coney Island saw me at my bottom. Saw me at the bottom, saw me fucking asking for fucking dollars, saw me asking and seen. Now I pull up with fucking $50,000 change, fucking presidential Rolexes, parking the wrong fucking way. And I don't do that to show people I'm better. I show people like, yo, you saw me where I was. It's possible. Yeah. It, I, I mean, and you're talented, like, but, but anybody who's fucked up can, can change Absolutely. their life. Absolutely. And what I love about you also is just pure entrepreneurship. You know what I'm saying? That's like, 100%. pure. It's like. I love that because that's what I mean. Like I want to do that. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, 
I love your model. I want to turn. I I think Dopey could be some kind of fucking uh, apparel company. Absolutely. But we're we're a ways away, Nems. What's the secret? Why don't you use uh, one of the seven dwarves? Make shirts with the Dopey. Uh, I have I have I have a I have a Dopey nodding out in the bathroom with his arm tied off and yeah, shit. You gotta do it. You think people would buy that? I think that? that's too graphic. Too though. graphic. What do we want Dopey to be doing then? Just dopey nodding out. Or just nodding dopey out. Dopey and just put Dopey over it, or just make the O his face. All right. You want in on this one? No, go ahead. That's all you. All right, thanks, man. Win. There's enough winning for everybody. Nems, but Nems. look, check this. Yes. This is where the entrepreneurial spirit came from. All right. I don't, and I don't say this. I I never really said this, but after four years of being on my mother's couch, I got with uh, you know, I figured, yo, I got four years clean. I could do this. I start selling drugs. What were you selling? Coke, ecstasy, and Percocets. Statue of limitations is up on that, so I can speak about it now. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard of any dopey uh, guests getting arrested for yeah. anything they shared. So I think you're in <laughs> so the So look, clear. so I, I start running a route uh, from Sunday to Wednesday. I run this phone. As soon as I wake up, I wake up with people calling me. I go to meet them. I wait. I go to sleep. Phone on my chest. Fuck. And uh, at the same time, I break up with this girl. Um, that's the, that's the closest I ever came to using because I remember driving and I was in so much pain. Like, yo, let me just take a hit. Let me just take a bump of coke, take this pain away, and then, you know. And your car is full of drugs. Full of drugs. Right. A nice stash spot, a stash box built into the car. Hold up, hold up. Walk me through being in recovery. Like, cause I would you're go to meetings and I would have to leave early because the phone's ringing. But, but the first time you decide, like, I'm going to make an investment in drugs to sell in recovery. Like, walk me through that experience. <sighs> It was just like, yo, I'm, I'm, you know, I got four years clean now. I'm the man, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm cured, you know, because that goes through your head. I'm cured. I can handle this. And then, uh, then you see you're not. So who did you go to to get the first, the first uh, uh, supply? A friend, a friend. And you're just like, fuck it. No, I'm no, gonna my make friend money. already had the business. Okay. So it was like, yo, let me run this on certain days. He's like, yo, I need a worker from Sunday to Wednesday here. This is yours. Go did through. you feel super conflicted nah, at every meeting? in the beginning, I did. In the beginning, You didn't I have didn't. the conscience. No, it. I didn't have the conscience. It was fuck your life. You All know? right. It was in yeah. the beginning. And then, eventually, over time, because you're dealing with a bunch of addicts, so some people now have seen me in the meetings. Yo, don't you go to meetings? You know? And I'm still clean, but they're not. Right. And I'm selling them this shit. So now I start feeling crazy about it and then also at the same time i'm also in school to be a drug counselor oh my god so you're triple so dipping i'm like fuck thing. yo it's, it's like <laughs> you yo, got clients on both yo, sides meanwhile you're in the up. meeting and then uh i i get my case act um and i tell my friend like yo i can't do this no more you know i'm gonna be a fucking counselor at a fucking rehab you know i can't do this no more um but all that hustling i like everything i did that Illegally, when I got when when I started with the apparel and the brand, I just used those same tactics like driving around all day. People would be like, "Yo, I don't got credit cards." All right, where you at? You in Queens? All right, I'm gonna come over there. I'm gonna, you you got to spend at least two hundred. Uh, you in the Bronx? All right, you got to spend three hundred. And then I just literally took that same mentality and just applied it to the legal aspect of it. And um, so when they would buy three hundred bucks of apparel, are they reselling? Like, is yeah, that how that works? Themselves. My hats are 50. My fucking shirts are 50. So you're not buying a lot. You're buying fucking three, four shirts. I think I'm undercharging, too. You got to know your worth. Yes, sir. You got to also know your audience. 
to know what they're, what, you know, yeah, not I, everybody's. Yeah. Dopey Nation isn't looking to spend 50 bucks. Dopey Nation, would you spend 50 bucks on a hat? Let me know. Maybe yeah. I should raise my prices. But when, when, when doing, when, in my opinion, when selling anything, you should at least be making double. So if it costs you twenty, if it costs you fifteen dollars to make a hat, you should at least be selling it at thirty. I'm a softie with this stuff. Nah, like, nah man, gotta, I gotta be cutthroat. Yeah, bro. So like, what did did you feel like? Was it guilt after the KSAC, or was it like I just can't be fucking with this thing? It was it was a little bit of both. Right. It was a little bit of both. Where also I was like, yeah, I don't want. I'm a hypocrite. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this is total hypocrisy. Like me. Going to meetings, talking more about one thing, and then leaving the meeting and going to do it, and also it wasn't. You keep a fucking dog food around the dog enough, he's gonna fucking do it. Well, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone say it like that. Yeah. I've heard the barber shop over yeah, and over. Yeah. I've heard the fucking tattoo and they parlor. Dope dog food. There you go. Boom. There you go. That really works. Double entendre. Double on. Th- <laughs> I'm, dude, I was gonna bust out the fucking instrumental of. Uh, of uh, Shook Ones Part 2 and Battle You in the Car, <laughs> but I think I'm going to spare the Dopey Nation my, my despair. Um, dude, thank you for coming on. Nah, man, thank you for having me. This, uh, like, Wasn't this the greatest podcast you've ever, ever been on? Ever. Possibly, right? It, it, yo, it has. Because you know why? Because oh, I'm I speaking as myself and w- not Nems. I wanted to ask you something else. You call yourself Gorilla Nems. Yeah. There was a record you made called Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. Now, back in the day. The wrestler. And the commentator, yeah, yeah. he had the best voice ever. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even put it together that Gorilla Monsoon meant something. I well, just really, is because I'm Gorilla, and the guy producing all the beats on the album was named Jazzoon. So when he said, yo, what are we going to name ourselves? I was like, yo, Gorilla Monsoon? And I was like, yeah, that's the name. Fuck it. Did you ever hear him? He was a brilliant. Of course. Yeah, he was, he was the, the, the commentator my whole coming up when I was a kid. He was the best. I, I can't even do his voice. So. He was the best. Yeah, nah, he's the man. But Dopey Nation, you need to check out Nems. Yeah, dude, I, I want to make you. I want to. I want to beg you to drop a verse about do a dopey verse. Should I play the shook ones? Nah, beat? I don't do it. No, man. don't. If you want to hear my shit? Just go on YouTube. Uh, I ain't gonna do that. No, fuck it. Cause All now right. I'm, I'm I'm in fucking uh I'm in Travis mode right now. You, you got, okay, okay. You got that's rare. That I feel I mean, good not about rare. It. That's a one of one. Dude, I feel good. I don't about even it. say my real name on fucking. Wow, uh, I'm podcast. honored. I'm very honored. And I get angry when people call me my real name that don't know me from when I was. But I should still call you Nems, or I should call you Travis. You call me Nems, motherfucker. Uh, I got you. I don't got get you. crazy. Fuck your life. Um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? I've had a bunch of MCs on the show. Okay, I had your boy Slain. That's my guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, I had Danny Boy from House of Pain. Um, do you know this guy Kolichi? No, I never heard of him. He's this crazy junkie rapper. I think he's from uh, Pittsburgh or something. You should check him out. Yo, I heard. Did you ever hear of the? There's a there's a recovery rapper. Who's it? I don't know his name. I forgot. I was at a convention one time. I think it's Kolichi. It might be, and he was selling CDs like that. That like it's all about recovery. His shit is more about like death and drug addiction, like crazy junkie. It shit. might be. Check him out. Um, but when I put together the dopey all-star thing, would you yeah, kick yeah. a verse for that? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Thank Big you. Time. So we say at the end of every episode, we say, uh, because Chris, when Chris was alive, yes. he always needed to say toodles. So at the end of every episode, <laughs> and I hated it, but now at the end of the episode. Toodles. Exactly. But I say stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. And thank you. Peace. Peace, Chris. Toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad
wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller. Busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and I wanna call my dad. And it's all I ever had. 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 And these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And I wanna call my dad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had.